0: morning. Do not get quiet on me. I am mobile. (laughs) I'll get right up in your (laughs) Kool-Aid. Amen. How are we feeling today? Good. Okay. We're gonna get there. Awesome. Hey, listen, Pastor, uh, I talked to Pastor last night, uh, and he said that I could say anything I wanted to. So, uh, Whatever happens, sir, it's your fault. So you gave me permission. Glad you took a vacation, okay? So um, amen. Uh, my name is Thomas. My wife is April. We've been married since 2002. And since we started dating a couple years before that, uh, she jumped right into the ministry together. So uh, we've been in ministry for a while. And this is uh, my, starting my 28th year. Uh, and some of you, I can see, are trying to figure out how old I am that's okay brown don't frown so you'll never figure it out. (laughs) Um, I could be 87 years old and you'll never know because I'm half Filipino and uh, they live forever. So So, uh, it's so good to see you. Uh, To all my light-skinned folks I want to say hey (laughs) y'all. If you're darker than that I want to say orale and amen. So everybody's uncomfortable now so that's good. (laughs) I don't see, and do we have any Asian people in Woodward at all? Oh, just not here. Okay. So uh, as, as multicultural as we can be, amen, with our two skin tones. Amen. So uh, there's work to be done in the church. Amen. Good. You say, are, are, am I supposed to feel this thing comfortable? Absolutely. It's only going to get worse. I want to talk to you today about being called. Amen. So how many full-time ministers do we have here in the church? Full-time ministers here in the church, full-time ministers, amen, amen. I saw the young man in the back raise his hand. That's incredible. Awesome. For all the years that you've been alive, that's incredible. Anybody else a full-time minister in this church? You understand that was a trick question, correct? Every single one of you are full-time ministers of this church. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, let's, let's cut that, let's rewind to the very beginning, right after the intro, okay? And then we'll splice that into the, you're not live streaming, are you? Is this live? Oh, hey, everybody. So, how many of you are full-time ministers of this church? <laughs> awesome. Still people not raising their hand. That's okay. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Amen. So, all of us are called. Amen. Go like this and pretend all of us are called every single one of us are called now here's let me let's let's just if i haven't made you mad yet let me just go ahead and offend you right up front because we'll have an altar call later everybody will be fine at the very end of the service and we'll go out and we'll uh, i it, we, it was said earlier that we need to be out before the baptists get to the church i mean get to the restaurants and i drove through woodward and i'm not sure that we're going to be able to do that um So what we like to do is I like to hold you here until they get done at the restaurant, and then we'll clean up afterwards, okay? So uh, don't, don't think you're going to get out before about 1230. So this is a tough crowd today. Every single one of us are called. God called every single one of us. And, and so here, here's the I, I, pastor purposely uh, did not tell me anything about what's going on in the church. Absolutely not, and so when he called and said, listen, I'm going on some vacation, and we'd like you to, uh, to come in and fill the pulpit, and hopefully we have a church when we come back, so I mean, fingers crossed, Pastor, <laughs> um, but he didn't tell me anything about the church. He didn't tell me anything that's going on. He didn't send me pictures and bios of people that says these are really people that are messing up. Can you please fix them before I get back? He did not give me uh, any of those. And so uh, I'm coming in blind. I'm coming in completely dark. But here's the cool thing. God isn't blind and God isn't coming in the dark. He knows exactly what's going on here. So you may be wondering why in the world am I talking about being called when the pastors call, the worship leaders are called. i don't. I'm I'm not called to anything. Yes, you are. Amen? Amen. Well, well. Which one of the fivefold ministry gifts then? Because I would really like, if I get to choose, I'd really like to be a prophet, because I could say whatever I want to over anybody, and they'd have to be like, "Well, thus saith the Lord." You, anything you, yeah. Everybody eats a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today for lunch. Thus saith the Lord. Just because you say thus saith the Lord doesn't mean you're a prophet. Amen. We've had enough prophet liars, We need more prophesiers. Amen. A little life coming back into everybody. That's good. We've got some. Got some audience participation. That's very well. That's very good. So, uh, so I want to come to you today with a message that I hope fits, sister. You, you, you know, the stuff that you said earlier, and the other young lady that said uh, the things that you you felt God was telling you this morning. I thought, wow, this is amazing because. The only way that's going to get accomplished, you understand that? The only way that we're going to reach Woodward, the only way we're going to reach Oklahoma, the only way we're going to reach the world is if all of you realize that you're called. Well, we support, I support missionaries. I give $5 a month, Pastor. We, we, I support missionaries and they go and do it. No, that's, that's not biblical. Do you understand that when Jesus, at the very end of his career here on earth, he said one word that should provoke everybody into action. He said, go, you missionaries. No. No, sorry. That's, uh, that was the NIV, nearly inspired. That's, uh, 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 he said, go, all you evangelists. Only the worship leaders go. Absolutely not. Do you understand that? Not until we get into Paul's teaching do we even understand what prophets and teachers and pastors and all those things are. At the time that Jesus was on earth and he was calling people, he called them to him. And he said, go. Now, go is a really finicky word. If we break this down into uh, the Greek and the Hebrew, I'm sure Pastor does that, right? Does he do that? Does he, like, get into the etymology of a word and stuff like that? Uh, if, he, if we break this down, it really does mean go. I don't see anybody taking notes. That's awesome. It really just does mean, thank you, sis. It really just means go. Go means go. Don't be here. Amen. I woke up at o dark 30 this morning because it takes me two hours to get to church. And I told my wife, who was snuggled into the bed, I said, I have to go. In order for me to get there, I have to leave here. Amen. Since when did we build churches so comfortable that people came and stayed? Amen. You're trying to figure me out. It's okay. Listen, we need to go. Today at 2 o'clock, we need to go. Right? Not three of us. Oh, well, the, the people that always show up will show up. I'll, I'll just take a break this time. and I'll, No, we need to go. We need to go into the parking lot. We need to go down Oklahoma. We need to go and do the thing that we we're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing at 2 o'clock today? That's the life change. That's right. I heard it, and I I didn't exactly know what it is, but I think I I get it. And so you are called to go. Sis, the only one uh, taking notes, I am called to go. Good. That means I'm called to not be here. Amen? How about you guys in the back at the bowling tables? You ever been to a bowling alley and you have those tables right behind everybody? (laughs) That's awesome. You guys got bowling tables. That's incredible. We are called to go. Now, that makes us very uncomfortable because we we just were like, well, you know what, we, we finally got to a church that we can trust. We finally got to pastors that we can trust. Listen, I love your pastors. I've been around the world with your pastor. Literally, we went to Africa together. And and uh, I couldn't have gone with the most whitest guy in the whole wide world. <laughs> love you, sir. And so... Uh, Uh, We went to Africa together, we saw crazy things, but we wouldn't have never been, we would have just heard stories about that, but no, we had to go and experience those things, and it changed us. You with me? And so... I'm going to encourage you to understand that you are called to go. You are called to go because that's the one commandment that Jesus talks about at the very end. Before he flew off in a cloud, listen, my Savior's awesome. I don't know about your Savior. Your Savior may be mamzy, pamzy Savior with the pantene, V hair, with the blue eyes and the light skin. That's not my Savior. My Savior was about 6'3", rugged. He was a carpenter. He had calluses on his hand. He had a big old righteous beard. You know what I'm talking about with like some of his lunch stuck in there? You're like, oh my gosh, that's sacrilegious. Why are you talking about Jesus like that? I wish you would be historically accurate and know what people looked like back then. Jesus was not white. Amen. He didn't speak with an English accent. I don't care what Jim Caviezel says. Or every other representation of Jesus on the movies. My Jesus was a rugged dude. My Jesus had dirty feet. My Jesus walked around in sandals and a robe. My Jesus knew how to use carpentry tools. My Jesus had some major splinters in his thumbs. My Jesus hit his hand with a couple of hammers at one point or the other. My Jesus was a rugged dude. My Jesus has to be a rugged dude. Because the Jesus that I serve took the weight of my sin on his shoulders, bore it with ease, went to the cross for me, do you understand what kind of Jesus do you serve? If you if you serve the Mamsie pamsy Jesus in the really cool robe with the clean sandals and the pantine provi hair. If that's the Jesus you serve, maybe that's the relationship that you have with him and maybe that's why there's not a lot of power that you're experiencing. Come on now. But what if you served a Jesus that took that beam on his shoulders and walk the Via della Rosa. What if you served the Jesus that had the, the crown shoved down into his head? Listen, that's not no 98-pound weakling that did that. What if you served the Jesus that got up on the cross and breathed his last breath thinking about you? What if you served that Jesus? Let's, let's rewind the tape. Let's rewind the tape. Let's, I can see that some of you are trying to figure this out, and that's OK. Let me get scriptural on you uh, so you don't think that I'm not going to use the Bible. So uh, in the Bibles that you have in your lap or in the phones (laughs) that you have in your lap, I want you to go to John. I want you to go to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. We're going to start here in an incredible portion of scripture. Could you please make that smaller? It's way too big. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with the sound booth. And on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, meaning Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. This was an incredible portion of scripture, and you're like, how in the world does this fit with what you were just talking about? Watch, this is going to be awesome. Say, this is going to be awesome. Look at somebody, get them in the ribs and say, wake up, this is going to be awesome. Awesome. So, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, listen, I bring that out because the next line that says Jesus and disciples were invited, there's a difference. Mama was there, Jesus was invited. Why, is that, why do we need to make that distinction? You have to understand something. Mom had a place at the wedding because she was a part of the wedding party. She was already there. You with me? How many of you know if you've ever been invited to a wedding, you don't show up four hours early. That's not your place when you're invited to a wedding. When you're invited to a wedding, you show up on time. But if you're there with the wedding party, you're there four or five hours early. Do you understand this? Please make make sure you read your Bible and understand what it says. Mary was there. Jesus was invited. Jesus brought, he was invited because his mama was there. So if we look at the, if we look at the tradition of, of weddings back in the day, we can, we can assume in, in a safe way that Mary had some say in the wedding. It was probably a, a, uh, a male relative of Mary's. Why do I say that? Because the male relatives or, uh, the, of the groom were in charge of the wedding reception. And putting a huge spread out. So we're at a reception. We're at this wedding reception. And Mary comes up to Jesus and says, hey, they don't have any wine. Now, listen, I don't just read stuff like that. It doesn't just go overhead and I just skip through it. Mary was making decisions about the wedding. Now, listen, if ladies, if you've ever had a daughter that was married, how many of you know you're not the one uh, uh, that's getting married, but you're in charge? Right? So at some point Mary had the authority enough to go to Jesus and 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 make a a claim that hey they don't have enough wine. Now listen, before you get twisted on the wine thing, we're not talking about wine today, okay? But he but this wine was made, listen, they had to have an abundance of everything. The guy's family had to say, listen, we have to show the whole town. The governor's gonna be here, the mayor's gonna be here. This is listen, I've looked up what it takes to have a a marriage back in the day, and they invited everybody in to bless the marriage and show them we're gonna Start off right. We're gonna invite everybody in. People that we don't even know. We're gonna the higher ups. We're gonna bring in. So Mary was like, "We need to do something because we've already ran out of wine. They're gonna think we can't take care of ourselves. We're gonna have a bad." Pl- now listen, maybe we need to rewind, we maybe we need to rewind the tape because we're talking about Mary here. We're talking about Mary who's grown up with everybody in town thinking she was a hooker. She knows what it is to live with shame. She uh, she knows, and if the wedding, if we're at this wedding and we can't do it right from the very beginning, she doesn't want her family members to live with the shame that she already understands. When people walk down the street and say, like, "Oh, look, it's Mary, it's that one, it's the one that had that kid out of out of marriage, it's the one that his her her kid thinks he's the son of God." Psh, look at there's Mary. She's like Jesus. We can't do this to our family again. They always—they already think things about me. We can't do this to my our family again. So what are you going to do? And Jesus is like, first of all, I don't—I would have never have talked to my mom like that. Have, have you read this before? He doesn't call her mom. He calls her woman. <laughs> Now, some of you younger people in here, uh, uh, if you, have you, don't try this at home. Please don't try this at home. Those of you that are uh, under the age of 30, please don't try this at home because your life will be cut short. But uh, if you're still at home and your mom says, hey, go clean your room, I, 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 there's no uh, multiverse that I would ever go, woman, woman. It is not my. T- it is not time yet. I'm not through with this level on this video game. It's not my time yet. I, I'm watching my show. I am Netflix streaming and I'm in season four, episode 23. It is not my time yet. You know your mom would kill you. There would be a demonic possession. Her voice would get deeper. She'd be like, how dare you talk to me like that, right? He looked at her and said, woman, it is not my time yet. Now, this is interesting to me because I don't think that Jesus does things on accident. He wasn't talking to his mom. He was talking to the woman who is trying to get him to do a miracle, and he didn't think he was. T- Listen, Jesus was all God, but he was all man. You with me? Could you imagine? He knows who he is. He really does know who he is. And he's sitting at this wedding, and mom comes over to him and says, hey, um, they ran out of wine. He's like, not mom, not the the lady that took care of me, not the one that knows me, but but this strange woman that's asking me to do a miracle at a wedding because of wine? Woman, it is not my time. And I love Mary's response. marys I've seen my mom do this, and I'm sure you've seen your mom do this. She doesn't even pay attention to him. She, hasn't, she doesn't pay attention. to He goes, "What? mine hour is not yet come. His mom said to the servants. His mom didn't even pay that in any attention. She just looked at the servants and says, whatever he says to do, do. Whatever he says to do, do. Now here's what you have to understand. Write this down in the notes. How... Intimately aware of Jesus do you have to be that you can make that statement. Whatever he says to do, do. See, Mary's known from the day that the angel came down and talked to her in her bedroom that she was called. God called her to have this baby. See, this is the first recorded miracle. The first recorded miracle of Jesus. I would even offer you this. I don't know that it was the first miracle of Jesus. It's just the first recorded miracle of Jesus. Do you not think that Mary saw this when he was coming up? Jesus is on the playground with his friends, and they're playing out in front of the house, and one of his friends trips and falls and says something to his foot, and his foot's hanging at a weird angle, and Jesus like, shh, shh, shh boop. And they run off, and the kid's like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And she's like, shh, and they run off because I think Jesus knew who he was. you with me? Mary saw this from the window and goes, I know who he is. I know what he can do. So much so. Moms, I'm talking to you today. You know what I'm talking about. When your kid says, Mom, I can't, and you're like, oh, but I know you. I know what you're capable of. I've seen you grow up. I've seen you dancing around your room when nobody you didn't think anybody was there. You thought I was just vacuuming. And you you got your headphones on you're dancing to Taylor Swift and you don't think anybody's watching. But I'm watching. So when pastor says, let's go and dance around the throne, dance around the sanctuary, and you're like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. You're like, oh, but I know you can. I've seen you. Mary, Mary, Mother Mary said, I, I know what he's capable of because I've been around him. I know, I am intimately aware of all his capabilities very shortly after this, Jesus starts his public ministry, so we can assume that he's around 30 years old right here. For 30 years, she has known exactly what this guy is capable of. She doesn't even pay him any attention when he says, it's not my time. What do you want me to do? We don't have wine. What does that mean? I, 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 what do you want me to do with, without wine? And she goes, whatever he says to do, do it. Do you know that I, this isn't even part of the, uh, my, my sermon, but it's part of the story. He tells them to fill up big jars of water. Big jars of water. I'm sure the, the, the servant Are like big jars of water, huh? Okay, this guy's gonna be cool. So he they fill up big jars of water and they start serving it. And the mayor, the mayor, the high-ranking official that was at the uh, at the funeral. (laughs) Sorry, that was a slip. At the wedding, said, "Oh my gosh, you've saved the best for last. This is incredible." Where is Jesus after that? Jesus is hightailing it out of there. We don't hear from Jesus again. He's like. "Ah, Why are you turning water into wine? Is that what, I'm the son of God. I have a mission. I know I'm called. And my mom's got me turning water into wine. This is not my first miracle. I don't want this to be my first miracle. Like how in the world does this have to do with us? Have you ever heard God say, I want you to say this. And you're like, you want me to say that? That's the first thing you want me to say out loud in in front of my family, in front of my congregation? That's what you, can I have something huge and profound? You want me to say that? You with me? You're at Walmart. You have Walmart, Dollar General, something. Walmart, both. <laughs> you have Walmart and, and and you're in line and and there's somebody behind you and, and 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 they have they have 1 gallon of milk and God says pay for it. And you're like, "Okay, I will, but can't you I can I do something huge though for the kingdom? Can I pay for something like a, a lot of people's groceries so it's more public and Sometimes God just wants you to do simple things and be in obedience, and Mary knew exactly what needed to be done. She'd seen her son do this. She was intimately aware of everything that he was capable of, Oh, that we would be intimately aware of everything that Jesus is capable of doing. So when somebody walks into your life and says, what do I do, and you say, whatever he says to do, you do it so much faith that we have because we are called to that relationship Mary was called to that relationship with Jesus so intimate with she was with his the, the awareness of what he was capable of that she didn't even care that he doubted himself <gasps> Jesus doubted himself yes he had every he got under every temptation that we would ever get under That means at points in in his ministry, he even doubted himself. Have you ever doubted yourself in ministry? As a worship leader, have you ever doubted yourself? Have you ever been on stage? Don't answer this because your congregation is watching. Have you ever been on stage and you're like, I am singing my heart out and this isn't working at all? Nobody's getting this, nobody's raising their hands, nobody's in the spirit, this is as dry as the desert times two, and it's usually that kind of a Sunday where you walk to the back and somebody comes up to you crying and said, that was the most awesome service in the whole wide world. And you're like, this one? Did you catch a podcast of last week's? Did you, you were in this service? Yes, I was in the back and I was just, I just felt it like waves coming over me, it was amazing. And you're like, okay, amen. Amen. I can speak, for example, because I've been a senior pastor of a church before. I know what your pastor has to go through standing at this desk, looking out at all of you when you don't laugh at his jokes. And he's like, this is the worst sermon ever. Nobody's going to get saved today. Oh, my gosh. I should have just, I I just told her to sing another song and we would have got right into the altars. I should have just done that. I don't know why I'm talking. This is and Usually that's the kind of thing because of pastor's obedience that people's lives get changed. But that's because pastor has a relationship. Pastor understands how he's called. Miss Tatum understands how she's called. This people, you have to understand how you're called. Well, I, I'm not called to turn water into wine. How do you know? Well, I've never done it. I don't know that Jesus, I don't know that Jesus, I don't know if people walked up to Jesus with empty cups to say, hey, could you give me a free refill? I don't know. I'm assuming that at that point, he had never turned water into wine. Could you imagine him? He's like, woman, what are you doing? I don't understand. This is not my time. And she's like, whatever he says to do, do it. Fine, fill everything, every pot up with water and start serving it. I don't know, it doesn't say in the Bible, but I'm sure that because of the way Jesus works, and I've seen some of his patterns in in later stories of his ministry, that it was water until it hit that cup. And those servants are like, I'm going to get fired. I'm never going to have a catering job again. <laughs> this is crazy. You know, they're talking to each other. Are you sure we want to do this? I just, Mother Mary said, we need to do this, so we're going to do this. So they, they had the ladle, and it was water, and it was hovering over the cup, over the mayor's cup, and, and he, was, he wasn't paying attention because he was talking. And it was water, it was water, it was water, until they poured it out, and it was wine. And they're like, oh, my gosh. This is amazing. And we never ever hear from Mary again. In this story we don't ever hear from Jesus again and it's such an incredible thing because it was so simple hey we need more wine it was so simple see what I heard this morning from especially you two is we need more wine see in the Bible sometimes wine is equated to the Holy Spirit man how simple is that let's just get some more wine let's just get some more of the Holy Spirit I, I do get a chance to travel and go to different churches and, and, and go around and, and, and experience different worship teams and stuff like that. And one thing that I wish that more churches would get is that time of waiting when we worship, where we just don't do anything. Do you understand that that's okay to not do anything in the spirit? I am 42 years old right now, and, and when I was younger, uh, my version of hanging out with my wife was we got dressed and we went out. And we did stuff, and we saw movies, and we, you know we went to the park, and we got picnics together, and it was cool, and we went out and we went out and we got friends and we went out, and we just did all that. listen, I am 42 years old. My version of, of hanging out right now, going out is to get into my comfy clothes and sit on the couch with my wife. Older people, can I amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're like, leave me alone. You know, we, we, had, this, uh, uh, we had this rule that is if you see my front door open, it's, it, we, we're ready for visitors. If you want to come over, fine. If you drive by and you see our front door closed, well, we're not ready for visitors. And we have kept our front door closed a lot <laughs> because, we're, it, it, because it's cool. It, listen, me just hanging out with my wife, I have been able to, listen, it's almost 20, 20 some odd years of marriage with her. I have understood the, uh, I have understood the importance of just hanging out. My relationship with my wife, you'd be like, this is what you do all day long? You know what I mean? If they brought cameras in and they like MTV Cribs and they're like, this is, you know, hey, Pastor T's house. This is, hey guys, this is my house. Come on in. And I'm in like comfy, like, you know, like uh, Ninja Turtle sleep pants and uh, house slippers and an old t-shirt and, you know, all that. And I'm just laying on the, sitting on the couch because I don't know the last time I've watched live television, everything's recorded because I'm always gone. We're always busy. And so here I am, I'm trying to catch up on, on stuff that's three seasons old and I'm telling people don't talk about that around me because i'm like three seasons behind and so i'm just and and but here's the thing the more time i get to spend with my wife the more amazing it is even in the simple things i think we've gotten to the point where we think our only time that our only opportunity to hang out with god is when we come to church no that's getting dressed and going to dinner that's fine If you want to get dressed and go to dinner once a week, amen, go and do that. But the real relationship comes, the real maturity in your relationships comes when you're just in your sleep pants. And you're just hanging out on the couch. You and Jesus, nobody else, no other friends around, no groups of people, no small groups, no nothing else. Listen, what is your relationship with God if you don't understand that you are called to only him? But I go to prayer meeting on Monday, and I go to a small group on Tuesday, and I go to this on Wednesday, and I go to that on Thursday, and I have a relationship with God. No. You're going out to dinner. You're still in the dating phase. Real people that are married and have been married for a while understand, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? No, that means i got to do my hair. That means i got to put clean clothes on and you weigh some of y'all married folks that's been married for a second you know you're all you young people all the young people in here are like oh well just I'll just throw on whatever and I'll just go and I'll meet whoever and you're like, that's great for you but for us those of us that are like 35 and above we have to outweigh the energy it takes to get dressed i've worked 10 hours today i get home i'm sweaty every part of me is damp I'm sweating right now. My armpits are so blowed out, you could probably heat up a hot pocket up in here. So if you're cold, just right there. You'll get warmed up really quick. See, that's gross. I get home, I'm gonna get home today, I'm gonna be wet. I'm going to be sweaty, because y'all are working me out today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sweaty. This is just my intro. We haven't even gotten to the message yet. It's 1130. This is amazing. So I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be sweaty. I'm going to have been in these clothes for hours at a time. I'm going to get to the house. And at my age right now, because of the maturity of my relationship with my wife, I'm going to come in. She's like, mm not until you change. She doesn't love me as much as I thought. She goes, no, she loves me enough to say, go change your sweaty T-shirt and get into something dry so we can actually be comfortable and have a relationship. Take your jacket off. You don't have to be uppity with me. I'm your wife. Let's just get comfortable and be together. You're missing it if you don't understand that I'm talking about you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Sleep pants, T-shirt, Just comfy, hair up in a bun, no makeup on, you with me? You're wearing your thick glasses, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You got your eyes out, you're wearing your thick glasses, you're like, I hope, no. this is the time that everyone's going to knock on the door. When my wife, my wife and I, when we do, like, you know what, we need to go to the store. We've put this off forever, and we need to go to the store. We have absolutely nothing to eat. And let's just, let's just put on some clothes really quick. She puts on some workout clothes, and she puts her hair up in a bun, or she wears a hat. And she's like, you know what, this is going to be the day that I see everybody that we've ever gone to church with. But I wish people would see us in our natural habitat just having a relationship with Jesus. If you only ever saw me like this, now that's unfair because you've only ever seen me like this. But you have to understand something. If you see me just hanging out, this is how I am too. Not, not jacket and, and, and nice jeans and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm talking about I am this passionate about who I have a relationship with. My wife gets all of this 24 hours a day. All craziness, can't stand still, all of this like a squirrel on crack. This is what my wife gets 24 hours a day. So please pray for her. Amen. But you have to understand something. uh, Mary was so intimately aware of what Jesus was capable of because she understood she had been called to this man for 30 years to take care of him, to have a relationship with him. They had gone to church. They had been public. That's fine. But they've also just stayed at home. When he was working with his stepdad out in the garage, she had seen him. She had seen the talks between him and Joseph. She had seen the talks. She knew that Jesus also seen the way the people in town looked at his mama. Because of a calling. When they would go to the store and Jesus would be with her and the other ladies would be whispering and they'd be like, oh, that's that lady. Yeah, she thinks her son's the son of God. She thinks she talks to angels. Come on, Jesus saw that too. He knew. My wife is a, is a, is is a pastor's wife. My wife is, is a ministry wife. She's also licensed and ordained in her own right and has an amazing ministry and has an amazing anointing on her life. But she's been in the bathroom, in the stalls, ladies, when she's heard other people talk about her or talk about me in a negative way and they didn't know she was in there. You with me? See, guys don't understand that because we go in there, we're completely silent. I don't care if I walked in with my best friend. First of all, I don't walk in with my best friend. That's just weird. <laughs> we stagger the times. Oh, you're, you're, you're going? Okay, I'm, I'm going to hang out right here. There's like 17 stalls. It's cool. I'll, I'll wait. Girls, you go in a group and you talk the whole time and that's amazing. That's fine. That's, that's you. That's not us. We go in there and we're talking and we're talking and we're talking and we hit the door and we're like. <laughs> so we have no concept of this, of how much it hurts to be talked about behind your back, but you can still hear it. Jesus knew what Mary had gone through. You with me? Now, this so, this so much translates into, uh, into, into Jesus' life that I want to take you to Mark chapter 3 really quick. And we're almost done. What does it mean when a pastor says he's almost done? It doesn't mean a, a thing. It doesn't mean an absolute. Is this my water? Is this, yes. Okay. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. I want you to understand what you're reading. I'll be reading out of the New King James. What do we have up on the screen? Same? Awesome. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed the twelve that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Him. They were called to him. Do you understand that Jesus did not establish Matthew as the teacher? He did not establish John as the apostle. At this point, he did not establish anybody as anything except called to him. It says it over and over again for a reason. He called them to him. They left everything for him. Amen. They left their jobs. On the TV shows, you didn't know that the disciples had TV shows. Yes. Some of them were on the deadliest catch. And they were fishermen and they had their own TV shows and they had lucrative businesses. And, and 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 so Jesus says, Come off that TV show and follow me. And they're like, We have like a three-season deal. Okay, I guess we're following him. We're gonna be on a different reality show. They saw Jesus do incredible things. They saw Jesus take uh, a a Long John Silver Happy Meal and turn it into a golden corral. Like, saw that. They saw that. Five loaves, two fish, turned it into a golden corral. They saw that. Jesus, even in his miracles, had a sense of humor. He said, now go pick up the leftovers. They had 12 baskets of leftovers. One for every one of the unbelieving disciples. Jesus is like, what now? You don't think I can do stuff? Look at this. All you had to do was believe. They knew this. What, what, the, some of the biggest frustration that Jesus ever had the disciples because their faith was predicated by their circumstance and not by him. They were in the boat. Jesus had let us go over. Amen. There was a storm in the middle of the night. Water started pouring into the boat. And these guys that are professional fishermen, I'm not talking they're professional from the bank fishermen, they're professional deep sea fishermen. They understand about storms, they understand about boats, they've been in these storms before. But for some reason, they are so fixated on, am I talking to anybody today? So fixated on the storm that they forget that the Savior is in the boat with them. Not only do they forget that the Savior is in the boat with them, they forgot what the Savior said. What did the Savior said? Let us go to the other side. Now, if Jesus had said, take me to the other side, then maybe I would have thought twice about this, but he included us. He said, let us go to the other side. That means no matter how bad the storm, the us is going to survive. Because Jesus is in you and you're in Jesus, because you are so intimately aware of what he is capable of, these disciples lived with him every day. They knew intimately, they were intimately aware of what Jesus was capable of and what he could do. If Jesus says we're getting to the other side, we are getting to the other side. You have to understand something. You have to to not read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Gospels as if they came one after another. These things overlapped. And they saw Jesus actually walk on water a couple times. They'd actually been in the boat with Jesus a couple times when storms had hit. And each time they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. He's like, you used to have a television show. I don't understand. You were professional fishermen. I don't understand why you're so upset. Where is your faith? Jesus got, up on the, Jesus got up on the boat and said, shh. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have to be, he didn't have to have like King James English, I say to thou, story. no, he didn't do any of that. He's like, y'all are making me tired. I was actually sleeping when you came and got me. Shh. Listen to me. How many storms in your life have kept going because you didn't stand up and say, shh, do you not know you're called? Do you not know that this same Savior that walked the earth for three and a half years doing miracles went up to heaven and said, I'm giving you something even more. And it's called the Holy Ghost now that that lives in you and Jesus Christ now lives in you as your Savior. Do you not know because you are called you are also capable? You, you, some of you missed that. You need to put that in your notes. Because I am called, I am also capable. That means I don't need somebody else to tell me third party what Jesus say. Because I have an intimate knowledge of everything that he is capable of. If I have a storm come my way, all I have to do is say, shh. Yeah. Just try that. I wish you would have the spirit of shh on you sometimes. Somebody comes up to you and says, (laughs) and not like a mama shush, not like shh, shh, no, I'm talking like, let some spit come out. Your kid is freaking out, they come home from school and they're freaking out, I don't understand, he didn't even call me, I don't, (laughs) shh. What do you you mean, shh, stop all of that? Your life isn't over because he didn't call you. If he didn't call you, he doesn't recognize you as the princess that you are because your dad is the king, so that makes you a princess. If he doesn't understand, he's dealing with a princess, he doesn't want to call you, let him walk off. (laughs) But he's so cute. (laughs) Amen? More fish in the sea, literally, because they had a TV show so they understand that. More, listen, listen. You need to have that even in you. Sometimes you need to get in the mirror and tell yourself the shh. No, I don't. I don't. Pastor didn't hug me today, so I don't know if he loves me. And uh, I just don't. I just. I think I'm going to have to call somebody and talk about it because and and and, and so oh, he didn't call. He didn't, he didn't hug you either. I don't know what's going on in this church. I think we're about to split. I don't. Shh. Amen. The Lord. (laughs) They called to him. They were called to him that he that he might send them out to preach. Let me let me clarify really quick in the next two and a half minutes. It's okay. We're not going to get that and done in by forty. I'm not called to be a pastor. You're not called to be a worshiper. Yes, I yes, I am. You're not called to prophesy. You're not called to do children's, you're not called to do youth, you're not called, you're not called to be sound technicians. And we appreciate what you do. Praise the Lord. Because amen. Do you understand that? So when the words freeze on the screen and you give her a dirty look during praise and worship, do you understand she's not called to do this? She volunteers for this. When the microphone squeals and everybody likes to turn around and look at him, right, brother? Because that happens all the time. Like you did it on purpose. Let me see how I can mess up service today. Just because the microphone works doesn't work doesn't mean that he's in. It's his at fault. And you turn around and you look at him and you give him crazy looks like he had in charge. He was in charge of everything. He's just a volunteer. Do you understand that he's not called to this? See, here's why we get hurt. Here's why we stop coming to church. Here's why we stop doing the things that we think we should be doing for God. Because nobody recognizes that we're called to do this. They don't recognize that I'm sh- I should be prophesying too. Those two ladies get to prophesy and I don't. See, now you're all hurt. Now you're all offended. Now you're going to leave the church. You're going to go down the road. You're going to have the same offense over there. Amen. You're going to end up back here in six months. You're going to apologize. You're going to get offended again. Why? Because you're more focused on your calling than understanding who you're called to. See, here, the scripture says he sent them out. As he saw fit, he sent them out. To do what? Preach the gospel. Heal the sick and cast out demons. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Let me ask all of you that think you're called to something. Have you healed the sick, cast out demons, and preached yet? Amen? Well, I'm just waiting for my time. I'm waiting for pastor to recognize me. Pastor will recognize you in your calling when you start doing your calling. Amen? And you are called to him. You are called to him. Say, I am called to him. I am called to him. Number one in your notes. Number one, and I'm done. Number one, I actually have three. But number one, and then I'm done. Number one, one, pursue God. Pursue God. Pursue God. He walked up to the disciples and says, will you follow me? Sure. And then he walked off. And they had to pursue him. Hey, do you know where we're going? No, but he said to come, so we're coming. <laughs> hey, uh, Judas, how much money do we have in the account? I don't know. We got like $10 in the account. Are, do we? That's There's like 12 of us. Do we have enough to eat? I don't, I don't know. We're just going to follow him. I guess we're going to have to follow him. We're going to have to pursue him. We're going to have to trust him. You know how I got my wife? You know how I got married? I pursued her. This is my wife. Her name's April. I know, right? This is April. When I first met her in Bible college, She had walked into the Bell Center and just surrounded by people. She has a magnetic personality. Uh, When she travels with me and we go to different churches and, and we have to get up there early because we are dealing with worship teams and stuff like that early. And she'll sit in the back while I'm on stage and I'll look down and I'll do something on the piano. I'll look up and she's got like 10 kids around her. It's our first time in this church. They're digging in her purse. She's handing out mints. They're having a little Bible study. It just—it's every time we go, she's just surrounded by people, and it's amazing. She doesn't know anybody. She's just surrounded by people because that's her calling. When she's she is so called to God that people are attracted to that, especially kids, and they flock around her. But uh, 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 she was had it together. I didn't always have it together. This stuff that you see before you right now, these uh, expensively ripped jeans, which I, uh, great, I wore these a while back and I had an elder of the church come to me and says, you know, uh, when my son <laughs> ripped his jeans, we'd actually patch those up and, uh, and they, they were not as expensive as you. I, I said, oh, I paid for these to be like this. <laughs> and so uh, uh, it's a different generation. But, you know, uh, uh, before all of this, I was a big dork. I was the biggest nerd. I'm just a well dressed nerd now i I was a big nerd back in the day, and when I met my wife, she was together, she had a little scarf on, she had a little outfit, and she had all of her stuff together and it was amazing and I was mean, like, oh my gosh i oh, I'm in love with her. This is amazing. This is incredible. She uh, this is, she walks in and the room lights up. I want to be with this girl. And and, and she had football players around her and basketball players around her and, I, and I'm and i the dork and I am the nerd and I am this guy that is walking around trying to make her laugh and trying to do all this stuff like that. And, and, and I, I, I we had a class together because uh, uh, we, we met in Bible college. We had a class together and we had a notebook in between us and uh, we would just, she was like, do you understand this? And I'm like, no, I don't understand this. So we start, started this little relationship, friendship through a notebook, and, and we would write stuff down, and I just got up with the courage to be able to write down, hey, a bunch of us are going to Chinese food for lunch, do you want to go? <laughs> and she said yes, and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so she's, the a whole group of us, and, and then she said, I have not, haven't really eaten Chinese food ever in my whole life, and I almost, we almost didn't go beyond that, because that's, that's bad, but I took compassion on her and I fixed her a plate and told her how to showed her how to use chopsticks and it was amazing. And so maybe a couple days later, I wrote down there and said, "Hey, do you do you want to catch lunch?" And she was like, "Oh, is there a bunch of us going again?" She goes, and I said, "No, um, just just you know, just maybe you and me." And I waited and I waited and I almost put little boxes and said, "Check yes or no," you know, something. And I looked over at the. At, we were taking notes and stuff like that, trying not to get caught because we were college students writing notes in class. And 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 I looked over, and there was one simple word on the paper that changed my whole life, and it said "yes." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to go out with this girl." So we met out in the parking lot, and she walks up to me, and she goes, um, "I completely forgot. It's my fault." Um, but I can't go to lunch with you because I had a previous appointment, and so I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to be able to go. And I was like, oh, it's cool. It's okay. It's good. I'm dying inside. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's cool. No worries. I I just got the brush off. It's a professional brush off. She did a really great job, but I got the brush off. And we walked our separate ways. And I didn't realize this until a long time after we actually started dating at this point. And she goes, and I said, yeah, but you like the first time we, I actually tried to ask you out, um, you kind of brushed me off. And she goes, oh, no, no, I, it wasn't a brush off. I had an appointment with my nail lady, and you don't break appointments with your nail ladies. And I didn't know this at a time because I hadn't dated a real woman before. <laughs> and so when she found her, like she had a nail lady, and, and it was a lady that had an American name that had no business having an American name. Do you know what I'm talking about? And because she was like Vietnamese. And she's like, my name is Kelly. No, your name is not Kelly, and we know that. But you know, she was good at nails, and you, ladies, you understand this. And so she wasn't, she wasn't giving me the brush off. She just had a nail appointment that she could not miss, and she went there. And, and it was, it was amazing what happened in my life when I pursued. I didn't let the I, man. Why well, I was crushed, but I said, no, I can't, I can't. I can't stop this. I have to make her laugh. When she laughs, oh, my world is amazing. Uh, and, and, and it's like a musical when she laughs. You know, everybody kn- knows choreography and, <laughs> and, and everybody's dancing in the street. And it's incredible. So I wanted to make her laugh every day. And I pursued her. I showed up every day. Do you want to go lunch today? Do you want to go to lunch today? It's okay. We don't have to go to lunch today. Do you want to go to lunch tomorrow? Oh, yes, you do? Awesome. Okay, I'll make your play. know it's good. I'll do this. I'll, and I pursued her. Not in a creepy way, but I pursued her. I pursued her. I pursued her. We did it for four years. I, I asked her to be my girlfriend on November 1st. I married her four years later on November 1st. The day I asked her to be my girlfriend, I also wanted to ask her to be my wife. Not in a creepy way. But I pursued her. You, you want to understand your calling in God? Pursue him. Don't just date him at church. Amen. Don't just give your very best Instagram photo to him at church with all the filters and the stars around your head and all that stuff, me and Jesus. No, don't do that. He wants comfy pants and T-shirt. He wants just to hang out with you, to get to know you. You want to know what your calling is? Pursue him. Number two, and we're almost done. Number two. If you're going to pursue him, you're going to have to honor him. If you're going to pursue you have to honor him. Number two, honor him. See, I come in here and I, and I, I joke around a little bit, but I'm very uh, aware that this isn't my house. And even though I have permission from the pastor to say anything I want to, listen to me. I know I shouldn't and I know I can't. I have to be respectful of the house. I honor the anointing that's on this house. I came in this morning, and she goes, "Do you want to? Do you want to take over? Do you want to do whatever you want?" I was like, "No, I want, I'm going to be here with you guys. This is you guys. This is your house. We're going to sing what you want to sing. We're going to do it the way you guys want to do it. You with me? Because this is your house. This is this is the anointing that covers you and your family. Do you understand? Honor that. Somebody says something against the house, you defend the house. Somebody says something against the pastors." You defend the house. Amen? Oh, you go to that church where that one pastor, I don't know about him. Mm -mm, I don't want to hear any more. That's my dad. That's my spiritual father. That's the father of this house. And he serves my heavenly father. (laughs) Nobody's saying anything about any of my dads. Well, I don't know because, you know, Mrs. Pastor, she doesn't really seem that nice. Shh. Remember the spirit of shh. You you will see grown folks act a fool when you tell them this. But it will stop. Do not let yourself be a place of dishonor. Do not let your atmosphere be a place of dishonor. Make sure that when you walk in a room, there's honor. When pastor walks into the room, there's honor. When the Holy Ghost walks in the room, make sure there's honor. That may mean that we throw all the songs that we practiced out the window. That may mean that pastor doesn't even preach. That may mean a lot of things. You've got to roll with that because of the honor of the house. The third thing is, the third thing is, this is important. After you've pursued God, after you honor God, make sure you obey him. Whatever he says to do, do it. See, called people are obedient people. you write that down? Called people are obedient people. Pastor called me and said, will you fill my pulpit while we're gone? I obeyed. Now, I can, I, I know how because I have a relationship with him. I know your pastor. This is some random Joe that called me. I've never been to their church or, or whatever. And so when he called me and says, I'm, I'm going on vacation. I'd like to not have to come home early. Will you please fill my pulpit? Absolutely, because I, I number to him. I honor him. And so when I honor him, I, uh, I obey that his request was for me to come and do this. And so I came and do this so that he didn't have to come back early and fill the pulpit or have somebody else fill the pulpit so that you guys could have a break. So uh, there's a certain level of obedience. And obedience also means that sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. Amen? Sometimes obedience means that we sing longer than we planned. Or we sing shorter than we planned. Sometimes, uh, and, and uh, well, sometimes I've kicked everybody off the stage. Because I want to make sure that God is number one in what we're doing. So everybody else get off the stage. Let's just wait on God. Everybody else, shh, for just a second. Shh. <laughs> Let's let dad talk. And it may be uncomfortable, and it may be out of your box, but how many of you know, called people are obedient people. So I'm talking to the called people today. And I'm talking to those of you that don't think you're called because you are called and you just haven't realized it yet. But I'm talking to the people in this room today that are just unsure. And they're just like, you know what, I, I haven't felt Forget about being called. I haven't felt his presence. I haven't felt his 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 warmth. I haven't felt uh, I haven't felt I have heard his word. I I don't know where I'm at in my relationship with God. If that's you, I'm talking to you today. With no heads bowed and no eyes closed. I'm just talking to you, just you and me. I'm talking to you about who who you came, maybe somebody drug you, or maybe you came out of obligation because you're like, you know what, if I don't go to church, they're going to have three people at my house this next week wondering where I was at, so I might as well just go. If that's you and you're just like, but I'm tired. I don't know where my relationship with God is. I I don't know from day to day if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I have faith. I don't know about all those things. If that's what plagues your mind, I'm talking to you. Things can change today. Right now. Amen. You're only one step from getting back to God. You know why? No matter how far you've run, He's always been right there. So all you have to do is turn back and you're right there with God again. Oh no, I'm way far away. I have I have ran so far away from God that that people don't even know the stuff that I've been into. Yeah, God does. We don't have to know. God does. He was right there with you the whole time. And if that's you today, I would love for you to get back to the place where you know you're called. And that's with Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. There's a couple things I want to pray for. Uh, and we're almost done. I promise you. It's 1154. We're going to be done in just a second. But this is, this is a huge thing I want to pray because all of us are called. Every single one of us are called into full-time ministry. You may never have a microphone in your hand. You may never get on stage, but you're called. So here's what I want to do first. I want to make sure that your heart is right. Because none of this is going to make sense if your heart is not in the right place. You're not going to understand about calling. You're not going to understand about anything unless you have a heart for Jesus Christ. So everybody close your eyes really quick. I'm talking to those people who are on the fence. I'm talking to those people that are struggling. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you do and it's just on shaky ground, I'm talking to you today. Let's get things back to where they should be. So here's what everybody's going to do. We're all going to repeat this prayer. But the people that really need this prayer, you're going to say it deep down in your soul. And you're going to commit to this calling. And you're going to come back to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And God's going to start changing your life right now. But your family members are here. And your friends are here. And we're going to do it in support of you. So everybody say, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner And I know it. And I don't want to live like this anymore. I surrender. I give it all to you. I know you died on the cross for me. And I know you want to live inside of me. So I yield to you right now, today. Take over for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at me. Oh, congratulations. Whoever you are, congratulations. Now listen, I don't go to this church. I'm not part of the leadership of this church. So make sure that if that was you, you connect yourself with one of the leaders of this church and say, what's my next step? Please don't do this alone. Amen. If you made that prayer and that was you and you said, I'm coming back to the heart of God, I'm coming back to the place where I know I'm called, if that was you, I don't want to embarrass you right now. It's cool. But make sure you connect with one of the leaders of this church and say, that was me. I did that. I prayed that and now I need to know my next step. Amen. Will you do that? Good. Okay. The next thing, the last thing I want to pray about. Here we go. Ready? You are called. You are called. You know you're called. But you want to take it to another level. Amen? You don't want to just be a seat warmer. There's a church, the church that me and Pastor went to in Africa. uh, It's been a couple years since I've been there. He went last year. He could probably tell you a more accurate number. But at the time, I think it was 225,000 people that attends this church. 225,000 people attend this church. And you're like, how in the world is this, how, how big is this church? They have house churches and they have other places, so not everybody shows up at the same time. But let me tell you how, and I asked, I, I'm a numbers guy when it comes to this stuff. If you tell me there's 225,000 people, I want to know how you got that number, right? Are we speaking evangelistically? Did we round up the nearest 100,000? Or are we, you know, is that an accurate number? You know what I mean? Because, you know, pastors like to look at a room like this and say, we had, we had close to hundreds-ish there may be close to 100 in here. You're just like, oh, but my faith says there was more. We're counting the kids and we're counting everybody that ever walked across the parking lot during service. I'm sure there was well over 100 people. <laughs> but I, So 225,000 people, I said, how, how, how do you know that, that, that that's accurate? They said, everybody that comes to this church has to be baptized first. You're not a member of this church unless you're baptized. In order to be baptized, you have to go through six months of discipleship training just to be baptized. You're not a member yet, you're just baptized. So you go through six months of discipleship training on what it means to be a child of God and to be a person that has salvation in them, and then you get to be baptized. Then you go through six months more of training in order what it means to be a servant in that church. And in that year that it takes you to be discipled, they find out your gifts and your callings, and they place you. You are a helps minister. You're going to work in the restaurant that we have that serves the community. You are going to be a great usher. You're going to serve in the usher. So by the time the year's done, listen to this, 225,000 people in that church, they don't say they have a congregation. They say they have 225,000 people that serve the church because they define a congregation as somebody who just sits there. So out of 225,000 people in this church, they don't believe they have a congregation. The people in the seats are just people that aren't serving that Sunday because it's on rotation. Man, I wish we would get some of that. That I'm not just a congregation member. I'm actually a servant in this place. I need to get plugged in and I need to know, I need to fulfill my calling. And my calling is to Jesus and Jesus just didn't sit there. In fact, one of the few times that he actually went to church and actually sat in a congregation of churches, uh, in in a a church congregation, he got so mad that he walked back outside because they had a flea market in the lobby. He went outside and made himself a whip. Now listen, I've never made a whip. But it says he made himself a whip and he cleaned out the church because of what was going on there. Could you imagine seeing Jesus standing outside the doors of the church? Oh, you guys better wait till I get done right here. He made himself a whip. He tore everything up because this is my father's house, he said. This is, I wish we would clean some stuff out of our churches and get back to where this is dad's house. Amen? Amen. Are we good? Did I challenge you enough today? Listen, according to what I heard this morning, exciting things are happening at this place. Amen? Pastor, don't tell me nothing, and that's on purpose. So, uh, so you have to understand that I don't know anything coming in, but I heard this morning through some of the prophetic words that God is up to something in this place. Amen? If that's true, we need all hands on deck. If that's true, we need everybody to come off the bench. That's a horrible sports analogy, but please follow me. We need everybody off the bench, we need everybody on the court, we need everybody on the field, we need everybody in the pads, we need everybody ready to go and ready to rumble, we need everybody up. Because listen, the enemy, listen, last thing on your notes, it's a shame that the enemy has more faith in your ability than you do. It's a shame that the enemy has more faith in your ability than you do. See, the enemy knows you. What is your name? Robbie, the enemy knows Robbie. The enemy knows Robbie. The enemy knows he's a worshiper. The enemy knows he's a servant. The enemy knows he also has a past. So he's going to use that as much as possible to keep Robbie from being a servant and a worshiper. Because if he can get Robbie to sit down, then things are a little less dynamic in here. Because Robbie's over in the corner. You with me? It's a shame that the enemy knows Robbie better than Robbie does. Now, maybe that's not you, but let it not be you ever. Let let not the enemy have more faith in your abilities than you do. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the pastors. God, I ask you to put a supernatural refreshing in them. That as they come back from wherever they are today, that God, that you would just bless them and that you would, you would put a, re, a reanimated vigor inside of them that when they walk back into this parking lot and walk back into these doors, that they, uh, they can feel a refreshing in this place. Father, I thank you for this amazing congregation. I, I thank you for the salvations today. I thank you for your spirit being in this place. I thank you, God, that this is a lighthouse to this area that is gonna call people in from the north, south, and east, and west, that this is an oasis. This is the place of refreshing. This is the place of your anointing. This house is the place where people will find restoration, we'll find freedom, we'll find your grace, we'll find your forgiveness. Father, I thank you so much that we are called to you. Everything else is a byproduct, but first and foremost, we are called to you. And I give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And everybody said, amen. amen. Amen, amen. You feel good? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Still like really subdued, feel good. That's okay though. Amen. So right before we leave, it is 12.03. I'm three minutes past. I want to challenge you as we go to lunch today, as you see family members today, as you leave this place, let let it be that you haven't left this place. Take the anointing with you. Find out your server's name. Use his or her name. Speak blessing over him or her. Be a positive influence. Do you understand that in the retail world and in the restaurant world, this is the worst day to serve? Why? Because of Christians. I'm not joking around. That's the for real thing. Restaurants are like, oh, here comes the church folk. We're not going to get any tips and they're going to be horrible to us. I wish you would not be those people. Take this place over there too. Amen.